Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Red Lake Nation Radio. I'm your host, Doug Gray, from RedMinorLeague.com, and I'm joined by Chad Dotson from RedLakeNation.com. Uh, usually we do this on Sundays, but we had some scheduling conflicts, and so we're coming to you Monday night. How you doing, Chad? Oh, doing great. Ready for another exciting episode of Red Leg Nation Radio. Have, have I hopped it up enough? Um, yeah, I think you have. Uh, I feel like <laughs> I might. I, I feel a lot of pressure now that I don't disappoint anybody. But uh, that's the idea. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, you know, we're into week three of spring training right now, and uh, you know, one of the things that we haven't got a chance to talk about so far is uh, our new third baseman, who's kind of an old third baseman. He spent some time there last year, but this will be his first year as the the man, I guess you would say, uh, to take over the job, is uh, Todd Frazier, who's taking over for Scott Rowland, who actually we learned uh, earlier today that he turned down $4 million to come back and play for the Reds this year. Um, they, the report wasn't specific about why he turned it down, whether it wasn't enough money or he wanted more playing time. But, uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting that he chose to not come back for that but is still looking for a job reportedly. Um, well, but, as far as I'm concerned, that and, and listen, I've got a lot of respect for everything that uh, Scott Rowland's done. And, frankly, I, I'm one of the, maybe one of the few, I don't know, but I'm very strongly in favor of the argument that Scott Rowland is a, a Baseball Hall of Famer. Great career. Uh, but that, as far as I'm concerned, that's a bullet dodged. Uh, at this point in his career, uh, the Reds are better served with uh, Todd Frazier at the hot corner over Roland, and I don't really think it's that close. Yeah, I, I don't think it is either. Um, I'm personally glad to see it just because I, I had always been concerned that even if Roland had come back with the idea that you know he was going to be the backup, that you know the first stretch that Todd Frazier had some struggles, that Duffy would find a way to get Scott Roland more playing time than – I felt comfortable with, but, you know, we're going to avoid all of that, and it seems that the Reds have kind of moved forward, uh, and, you know, they've thrown all their support behind Todd at this point. So I'm pretty excited about that. No, absolutely. I, I think that, that Todd Frazier is exactly the right guy uh, this year to man third base. Um, now there's some question, we're going to talk about it in a moment, about whether or not he can duplicate what he did last year, but I think of all the available options, I'm very, very comfortable having Frazier starting at third. Um, you know, Roland's bat was slow last year. His fielding was still pretty good, but his range was not quite what it was. Um, Frazier's not going to be all-world gold glove uh, fielding third baseman, but he's going to be an above-average third baseman, in my opinion, and, and you can't hardly ask for uh, for more than that. You know, I mean, like you said, I, I don't think that he's going to be quite the glove that Scott Rowland was, but, you know, the bat, I, I really don't think it's comparable at this point. Uh, you know, I mean, Todd last year, you know, he had 273, he almost slugged 500, you know, 19 home runs and basically was, you know, 70% of a season. You know, he's got the power, and, you know, defensively he's the guy, or he, he's a guy that can, you know, he's not going to hurt you. I, I don't think he's going to be an above-average guy, but he's not a bad defensive third baseman either. So, you know, like you said, it's kind of going to be what he can do compared to last year. Um, you know, what, what, what do you expect to see out of Todd Frazier this year, especially from an offensive standpoint? Well, from an offensive standpoint, it's uh, really the that's the you know $25 million question uh, when it comes to, to Todd Frazier because a lot of people are on uh, the record as saying, hey, I think he's going to improve on last year's numbers. I'm not quite sure that he will improve 
on last year's numbers. And, and I don't intend that as a criticism. I said that a couple times on Twitter, and a couple people took offense, like I was uh, criticizing Frazier because I don't think because uh, I think he may not have quite the numbers he had last year. Uh, but you got to understand uh, his uh, slugging percentage last year was 498 in 465 plate appearances, and that's 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 awfully good. But you know his career minor league slugging percentage, as our friend Jason Linden noted over at uh, RedLegNation.com in his uh, preview of Todd Frazier recently, his minor league slugging percentage was 475. Now that's a you know pretty significant difference, and it makes me wonder if we we should really be uh, ready to count on. Todd Frazier to hit with as much power as he did last year. Of course, he's hitting a great American ballpark uh, half his games. He'll be getting more at-bats. You know, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I wouldn't bet the ranch on him doing that. Um, Otherwise, I see no reason why he shouldn't be able to uh, get on base at a 330 clip again and, uh, you know, hit for for some power. I think we're going to be very happy, even if he's not quite as productive as what we saw last year, I still think we can be very, very happy with what Frazier brings to to the table. Um so, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm with you, but I'm against you. Um, I also <laughs> think that he's going to take a bit of a step backwards offensively. And, you know, again, that's not really a knock on Todd. It's just he was a well above average hitting third baseman last year, and I'm not quite sure that he's entirely at that level. Um, unlike you, I think that he can hit for that kind of power. Um, you know, I covered him in the minor leagues, and scouts had always told me, you know, he's a 25 to 30 home run guy if things go right for him. And I think that we saw last year that, you know, over a full season, you know, that's a 25 to 30 home run kind of guy. Um, you know, I know you brought up the minor league slugging percentage thing. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, a, there's some points there, but at the same time, especially when Todd was in the minor league, they played in the Florida State League, and, you know, that park really it suppressed power. Louisville suppresses power. Dayton suppresses power. So uh, there were quite a few places where he had played that – suppressed power, yet he still slugged, you know, fairly well in the minor leagues. And the scouting reports, you know, generally had him as a 25 to 30 home run guy. I think that he showed enough of that last year that, you know, I think that he can be somewhere in that 20 to 30 home run range, depending on, you know, how things break for him. Where I'm more concerned is the on-base percentage. You know, I know you had said that you thought he could replicate the 330 uh, on-base percentage that he had, but for me, he's a little too aggressive for me to be entirely confident that he's that kind of guy. Um, you know, there have been times where he's walked, you know, fairly well in the minor leagues, and so that gives me a little bit of hope. But he's a little aggressive for my liking, so I'm not entirely sure that I'm willing to say he could be, you know, a 330 to 340 on base percentage guy. But as long as he's over 310 with his power and where he's going to hit in the lineup, I think that that'll be perfectly fine for him and that, you know, he's going to be an offensive asset overall when you throw it all together. Let me also make a little bit of a devil's advocate uh, argument or an argument against what I just said about him taking a step back. One of the uh, more popular arguments, I guess, about why Frazier may take a step back is that he's, he was an old old rookie last year. You know, he'll be 27 this season, and, and that's old for a guy uh, coming into his second year of the league. And you, and you don't usually expect uh, – you don't usually expect much of a, a long career out of guys that get started that late. Uh, but I've wondered whether or not maybe we are sort of underestimating um, where Frazier is based upon that age, uh, based on the fact that the Reds just didn't bring him up. That he you know, he could have been brought up to the majors a year, year and a half earlier than he was, and, and he was sort of held down. Uh, I think he could have certainly been uh, a couple years ago, could have been a bench player for the Reds. They didn't do that for whatever reason, but... 
you know, I, I, he's 27. He should be close to his prime. Um, I don't know that I'm ready to say that he's uh, – I'm trying to think of someone that uh, that started late and nobody's coming to mind immediately. Chris Sable was the first guy that came to mind who had sort of a short career as a productive player. Um, but, but heck, if he has a – if Frazier had a Chris Sable-type career, uh, I'll take it, including uh, that world championship. Yeah, I mean – I'm with you. I think that he could have come up a little bit earlier, but there just wasn't a spot open for him, you know, for what the Reds needed. And so they held him down into Louisville for a little bit extra time. And, you know, he did get that late start, I guess, for the major leagues that most guys don't really get. But, you know, you could say the same thing for, you know, our starting shortstop. You know, I mean, I guess that he came up a little bit earlier. um, Two months. Uh, that year, and so, you know, he's going to be an old second-year guy also, but he's another one of those guys that, you know, if given the opportunity, he probably could have been up here starting full-time at age 25, but the Reds held him down, you know, just to try and give him that little extra seasoning, I guess, because they were doing well in 2010, and so they didn't need to make that move and bring those guys up right away, and they gave him that extra seasoning, and so when you look at it, like, oh, you know, they're they're older than most guys are at this stage of their career, so I think that you're right that some people do – have that stigma that, you know, they're not going to be able to, you know, repeat what they had done just because they are the older rookie types. Absolutely. And, uh, but, and I don't, I don't think we need to penalize him in our thinking just because he was an old rookie, either of those guys, because they both have a chance to have uh, pretty solid careers. How long? I don't know. But um, it's not like they were late bloomers just because they weren't able to, uh, uh, didn't have the ability to come up a little earlier. Just that's the way circumstances went. But one of the more interesting, it always amazes me every time I think about it, actually, is that uh, Todd Frazier and Zach Kozar are both older than Jay Bruce. A lot of people give Jay Bruce a hard time about uh, how inconsistent he is. Well, he's still a young guy. And uh, when you think about those guys are older than Jay Bruce, that, that really what that tells you is how early Jay Bruce came up and, and how productive he has been at such a young age. Not to completely detour off the rails entirely, but I always like talking about Jay Bruce, you know. Oh, well, no, I know. I, I'm I'm the weirdo that bought the Jay Bruce jersey before he was in the major leagues. So, no, I'm, I'm with you. Anytime oh, we can talk you about were Jay that Bruce, weirdo. I, okay. Yes, I was that guy. You. <laughs> but, uh, you know, another thing that's, uh, you know, we kind of already talked about this a few weeks ago but it's kind of been brought back up in the news, is a world of Chapman in the rotation. Do we have uh, to talk about this again? I mean, wait, we don't have to, but, <laughs> but know, I, I feel to. that, yeah, there, there's a few new storylines with that. Um, Indeed. The story came out that he has said that, you know, he now is, was more comfortable in the bullpen than, you know, he is in the rotation. And I know that when we had first, you know, discussed the idea back in 2010 as to whether he's going to be a starter reliever, that he had said, you know, he wanted to be a starter. That's all, that's what he'd always been. It was what he was comfortable with. But, you know, he would do whatever the team wanted him to do. And so he went to the bullpen. And, you know, now a story comes out that, you know, he says he was more comfortable in the relief role than in the bull, or than in the starting rotation. And Duffy has kind of been on that same kind of track that, you know, he wants a world Chapman in the bullpen. How McCoy came out and said that if the Reds really want to win, there's no way that they can put Chapman in the rotation, which personally I think is just crazy to say really? something like that. But, you know, it, it seems that Walt Jockety and Brian Price are both, you know, pretty strong that they want 
of Otis Chapman in the rotation, and that is going to be the best thing for him and for the Reds. But it's really interesting to see how the dynamics are between, you know, both the player and the manager and then the pitching coach and the general manager who ultimately have the final say in this. Well, it's it's certainly more of a public split than you generally see uh, from a, a team that's a contending team and reported to have good chemistry, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, well, here's here's what it comes down to. Well, first of all, I had hoped that we wouldn't have to talk about this uh, very much. I knew that wasn't the case. We're going to be talking about this all season long. It's going to be the storyline around the Cincinnati Reds uh, for uh, at least half the season. And so it is what it is. We're going to have to talk about it. I was surprised when I saw Chapman come out, and it was in an interview in Spanish, I think, where he said that he would prefer to stay in the bullpen, but uh, he's you know willing to do whatever the Reds want uh, want him to do. I was surprised when I saw that, and as soon as I heard that, I thought, oh, here's some ammunition for Dusty Baker. And then all of a sudden, we start seeing uh, you know uh, articles. Jim Bowden had an article at ESPN. Our old friend uh, Leatherpants, Jim Bowden, had an article at uh, ESPN about uh, how Dusty Baker and certain players think Aroldis should be the closer. Now, I completely discount everything that the players have to say on this, frankly. I don't think that Mike Leake or Bronson Arroyo, I don't think their opinions uh, matter one bit. Now, uh, Bronson Arroyo is my favorite player, um, and he's you know one of my all-time favorite Reds. But the, the facts are, Mike Leake and Bronson Arroyo have something to lose, a rotation spot if another starting pitcher emerges. So, you know, they've got a little bit of a, a reason to want to push him back in the bullpen. So I just ignore that. I'm, I'm very pleased that Walt Jockety and pitching coach Brian Price are staying strong here. Um, they're doing the right thing. I think they should have done it a year earlier, frankly, and their hand kind of got forced by Dusty with the Ryan Madsen injury last year. I'm very encouraged that the, well, they're staying the course. They're going to keep uh, Aralus in the uh, in the rotation as of now, but I don't expect this story to go away now that the uh, Baker and, and certain players are uh, on record, I guess, as and Chapman as well as uh, preferring that he stay in the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand where the players are coming from when they say they want Chapman in the bullpen because in their mind they're trying to win every single game, and in that scenario, Aralus Chapman as the closer is going to give you the best odds of winning every single game. Um, But for the entire season, the long haul of things, a role to Chapman in the rotation just makes so much more sense. I mean, at the very least, to to give it a try because of what he could be. And one thing that I've always, not always, I guess in the last few years, what I've noticed more and more about players and ex-players is that they don't view things in the long term. They're more concerned about right now, right here, what can we do today? And from their standpoint, I totally understand where they're coming from because that's all that they're thinking about is let's win today. And so I understand completely where players and even former players are coming from when they want something like that. Even Dusty Baker, I get where he's coming from with that because he knows, just like every one of us knows, the Royal Shadow pitching the ninth inning, game's over. But I just feel that the upgrade from – whoever your number five starter is going to be to a Rotis Chapman is just so much bigger than the downgrade from another really good reliever from a Rotis Chapman, especially since, you know, there's only the ninth inning. You know, it's not like you've got a guy coming in and pitching the seventh and you still got the eighth and the ninth. If you've got a four-run lead and your, your closer comes in and gives up two runs, sure, his ERA looks bad, but the game's over. You still win. 
but I think that just, you know, it doesn't matter. Our bullpen is so good that we could probably put any one of our relievers into the ninth inning, and it would still be a significant upgrade for the team, assuming our order Chapman is even decent as a starting pitcher this year. Well, you know, um, I'm with you in terms of the downgrade at the closer position. Uh, for example, uh, as I noted uh, at Red Lake Nation today, Chapman's uh, percentage of recorded saves, his save percentage as a red, has been 83%. That's a little lower than what it probably should have been, as uh, uh, our buddy Joel Luckup noted to me earlier. Um, that that number counts uh, a time or two when he was uh, not the closer um, and blew a save. So not necessarily save, saves, uh, save opportunities as a closer. But as a red, it's 83% total. Francisco Cordero's was 86% total. Um, and even if you give uh, Arales some credit for blowing saves when he wasn't the uh, the closer, it's uh, it's pretty cl- it's a little higher than Cordero's, but it's still pretty close. It's not that big a difference. Now the difference between uh, you know an elite starter, even a number three starter, versus a, the guy you're going to plug into the number five spot in your rotation. Although I think Chapman, there's no there's every reason to believe Chapman could be a number two starter at least. Um, and if not, well, the only way to find out is to to put him in the rotation. But I agree that the difference between what a an elite starting pitcher, even a, a well above average starting pitcher, can provide um, much much more important to a team than the difference between uh, an, a, a big time closer. If you can even call him a big time closer, because his save percentage is really not that much better than anybody else's uh, around. I just I, I'm really I can't believe it's even an issue. I, I just um, even the, the even the question about whether or not it gives you a better chance to win every day, I just don't think there's even an argument that it makes the Reds better this year. You know what Hal McCoy said about it, the Reds wanted to win a World Series, and this uh, him being a closer gives them the best chance of the World Series. I disagree with that fundamentally in every way. I think him being in the rotation gives the Reds a much better chance uh, of being in the World Series, assuming that he, uh, of course, that he ends up being the pitcher that we all think he can be in the rotation. That remains to be seen. If not, moving back to the pen. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. If you can get him, if somehow you can work out his innings so he can be on top of his game and pitching from the rotation in the playoffs, you know, especially in the National League, nobody can match up with this rotation. I mean, if Homer Bailey does what we think he can do, you know, he might be on the outside looking in despite the fact that you know, even last year, he was one of the top 20 pitchers in the National League. You know, and he wouldn't be good enough to be one of our three starters in the playoffs if Chapman turns out to be as good as he can be. So, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I'm not entirely sure where Hal McCoy's coming from with that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I believe that the bullpen is very important, particularly in the playoffs. But our bullpen is already the best bullpen in the National League. I mean, with all due respect to, you know, the Braves and Craig Kimbrell, you know, we've got so much depth. I think we had seven pitchers that threw 30 innings or better last year with an ERA under 3.2. I mean, that's – in our ballpark, that's just crazy. You know, we've got the bullpen depth. We've got guys that we can go to for every matchup you can think of. It's, it's just I, – I just don't understand how somebody can be against the world of Chapman in the rotation. Well, you know, think of it this way. In two, uh, the bullpen is important in the playoffs in – Two playoff series that the, that the Reds have been in uh, in Chapman's career, uh, he's pitched a total of 4.2 innings in two entire series combined. Um, that's just 
he's he's possibly your best pitcher. Don't you want him pitching, you know, 4.2 innings uh, and then another couple, you know, two or three times a series, or twice a series possibly, or even once a series. Um, in two years that, that there has been the playoffs, he's thrown a total of four and two-thirds innings. Uh, explain to me how that helps the Reds win more than having him pitch, you know, seven innings. I don't get it. I, I'm with you. I, I just keep, as you said, that he's only thrown 4.2 innings. All I thought back to was the Diamondbacks and how they basically just rode the coattails of Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. They didn't win a single game that neither one of those guys started in the entire playoffs, and they won the World Series. I mean, if you've got elite starting pitching, it's going to get you really far in the playoffs. And Aroldis Chapman is, I mean, if he turns out to be what people hope he can be, I mean, maybe Justin Verlander is as good as him in baseball. That's probably it. I mean, there's just nobody else that can match up to him in, in all of baseball pretty much. And if you can get that kind of guy, you know, I don't care how good you can be in the bullpen. You, you can't, you just can't get that kind of starting pitching. You know, there have been guys that have been dominant in the, in the bullpen before, and there's, there just aren't guys every year that can be, you know, true shutdown starting pitchers. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I just don't, I just don't get where people come from when they, when they think that, you know, having him at the back of the bullpen is somehow better. Yeah, I, well, you know, we'll, we'll be saying this all year long. Get ready for it uh, because this is going to be a topic of conversation for the rest of the season. Uh, but I, like you said a moment ago, just the thought of having Johnny Cueto and Matt Latos and Araldis Chapman in the in the playoffs, three uh, potential hammers. Uh, in the top three spots in the rotation. I mean, that should make any Reds fan uh, just incredibly excited. Um, but, you know, I guess if, if Jonathan Broxton comes out and, and blows a bunch of saves early, we may be uh, – I won't be changing my tune, but a lot of people will pretty quickly. So I'm not particularly uh, fond of Broxton, but uh, I don't think the drop-off between him and, uh, as we've said, and Chapman is, is – so great as to uh, want to abandon this idea, and I and, and I trust Brian Price, the Reds pitching coach. Um, and there haven't been many times over my life when I say I trust Reds management to do the right thing, uh, but I do. I trust Brian Price to uh, and, and Walt Jockey to have a plan on how to get uh, maximize uh, his value this year, which includes having him available for the playoffs, not pulling the Strasburg next year, as we talked about last time. It's a uh, that's another thing we'll talk about is what their plan is later. Um. But I'm I'm satisfied with the Reds, uh, what they're doing here on this uh, on Aroldis Chapman, and I hope 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 that they stay the course. Stay the course, Walt. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm just so glad that it seems that they are they're very strong in their beliefs as to what they want to do with Chapman. Um, but we we got about seven minutes left in the show today. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of get in on is you know there there's not too many spring training battles going on. But uh, there's a few out there, and one of the things that interested me the most was, you know, the backup catcher's role. I mean, I feel that we're all in the belief that Ryan Hannigan is going to be the the main catcher, even if he does wind up splitting some time with, you know, whoever it is, that he's going to get more of the time than anybody else. And, you know, the Reds had signed Miguel Levo to come in and compete for the backup role. And, you know, I know that we had talked about it briefly before that, you know, Neither one of us had bought into the idea that he was the guy that they had hoped, I guess, it could actually come in and compete 
and it, we were all hopeful that he didn't have a good spring and, you know, I guess impressed Dusty enough to get him to argue for him to be on the team. And he started off very poorly so far, and Devin Mazzarocco has actually hit the cover off of the ball, which is really good to see. And it, it seems that, you know, Dusty has been impressed, not just with what Mazzarocco's done on the field, but, you know, the, the things that he's done off of the field to improve this year. Um, he's made notes that, you know, he's improved his defense and, you know, he's changed up his swing a little bit and he seems to be making better contact more frequently than he had last year. Um, so I, I'm excited about that um, just because, you know, I, I just didn't believe that Miguel Olivo was the kind of guy that, you know, you want getting even 30 or 40% of the playing time behind the plate. Yeah, I don't even want to think about uh, Olivo on this roster unless there's some kind of a – you know, injury situation. Mesoraco's the guy. Should be the guy. I mean, I don't have any problem with with Hannigan being the de facto number one. I'm I'm a huge, huge, huge Ryan Hannigan fan. Um, but I, I'm glad to see, as you said, that Mesoraco is uh, maybe taking a little bit of a step forward in that race. And I don't ever put any stock in spring training numbers, but for Mesoraco's personal case, very important to him uh, personally that he uh, impress early on in uh, in spring training, and you know, not. Uh, not let the Reds forget about him a little bit and look elsewhere. So I think that uh, we may have gotten a little worried about that. I'm choosing to be optimistic here that uh, that Mesoraco, and, and really that's one of the few battles that the, we're talking about in spring training. I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable saying he's the leader in the clubhouse on that one. Yeah, I mean, the, the only other real battle, I guess, is for the, I guess, the extra infielder, um, you know, between Burris, Isturis, and, you know, Jason Donald. And I mean, all of those guys are hitting 300 or better at this point in spring. And, you know, I'm like you. I don't put much into spring training stats unless something just completely crazy happens where, you know, a guy goes out and gets 12 home runs. You know, maybe we should read a little bit into that. But, you know, none, none of those guys are that quality of player. But, you know, they're all hitting over 300 at this point. And I think that, you know, the Reds are going to look into their stats, even if they shouldn't. Um, and, sure. you know, at the very least, it's nice that they're all hitting right now and, you know, nobody's really separated them, themselves. So they've all got to, you know, I guess keep doing as well as they are trying to impress throughout the entire spring. Um, I, I still wonder how it's going to break down, you know, just because of the options. Because I know that, you know, Jason Donald is on the roster and the other two guys aren't. Um, whether that, that's going to play into it or not, um, I know that Dusty has said that, you know, sometimes that does come into play, even though he wishes it didn't. But I, I think that Jason Donald's the kind of guy that, you know, they would, I guess, they, they'd waive him or try and pass him through waivers if they were more impressed with somebody else. He's not somebody you're going to completely regret losing. Right. You know, and options, obviously, all that, absolutely. Who's on the who's on the 40-man? All that, absolutely, uh, comes into play when you're talking about this. As far as I, I'm concerned with any of those guys, really – they're all interchangeable as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, and we're talking about the 25th guy on the roster, too. So I'm not going to get too uh, worked up however the Reds fall on that one because I don't think I don't think any one of them is any better than the other. I think they all share one particular uh, characteristic that uh, something the Reds fans need to be really uh, pleased with. None of them is named Willie Harris. And uh, <laughs> so we're starting, we're starting off ahead of the game already this year. Yeah, yeah, you make you make a very valid point there. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, they're all fighting for that last spot on the back of the roster, and as long as they can handle shortstop, 
once a week or once every other week when Zach Cozart needs rest. I, it, it doesn't really matter to me who who takes over that spot as long as Zach Cozart stays healthy and nobody has to play, you know, for an extended period of time between those three guys. Hey, if this um, team is healthy, uh, you know, they're going to be in awfully good shape. I'm, I'm excited about uh, what this team could do if they stay healthy. I, I really think injuries are the only thing that can do this team in at this point. Uh, maybe that's just my traditional spring uh, optimism. I'm wearing my Pete Rose colored glasses. But uh, no injuries, please. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. As long as we stay healthy, we should be good to go. We've only got about a minute and 20 seconds left. I wanted to get this out there real quick just because it's something that jumped out to me as the minor league guy. Um, You know, Jorman Rodriguez, um, again, looking at the spring training stats, not something you should do. But, you know, he's drawn three walks in 20 plate appearances so far. Career high. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) His inability to be patient at the plate has been something that's held him back. I mean, hitting tool, power tool, I mean, they, they're really, really good. I mean, even even their current state right now as a 20-year-old, they're really good, but they just don't play up because he can't lay off of pitches outside of the zone, and obviously you're not going to hit a pitch outside of the zone as well as you would inside the zone. So I, I just think that if you're looking for somebody to follow in the minor leagues this year that could really, you know, show something that they haven't in the past, it you know, maybe this is a glimpse of something that, you know, he took to heart in the offseason and he, he worked on to try and be a little bit more selective as to what he does at the plate. Or, you know, maybe he just got lucky and faced a bunch of pitchers who couldn't throw strikes. Well, if that if that kid can learn how to take a walk and learn how to get on base, watch out. I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, he's, he's liable to be a big-time player, but that's a, that's a big if at this point. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week, guys. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.